0: And welcome to the Final Ghost podcast, where we explore the intersections of horror, film and feminism. In this first series, we're bringing on special guests to dive deep into film and TV shows with witchcraft at the heart of them. I'm Anna, co-founder of the Final Ghost and your podcast host. In this episode, we're diving into Mario Bava's atmospheric gothic horror Black Sunday, released in 1960 and banned in the UK until 1968 for its graphic violence-based very, very loosely on Nikolai Gogol's story V, which, incidentally, also has its own Soviet film adaptation that I'd highly encourage you to check out. Black Sunday follows the wrath of the powerful witch vampire Asa, played by Barbara Steele in her first big screen role, who places a curse on her family and their descendants after they execute her for her devotion to Satan ever for being a vampire ever for being a witch. And for being too hordy? In any case, centuries later, Asa is resurrected and aims to take the body of her descendant, the innocent young woman Katya, who is also played by Steele, who is amazing in this film. It's a glorious, gothy horror classic, very big on atmosphere, and definitely one to watch in a darkened, darkened room. We actually screened this film way back in November 2019 at the lovely Prince Charles Cinema as part of our Here Be Witches season, which in turn inspired this podcast. I'm joined in this episode by film and culture writer Beatrice Loiza, who writes for such outlets as The A.V. Club, The Guardian, Sign and Sound, I.D. and many more to so help you enjoy our conversation. Nail it down.
1: May the cleansing flames reduce her foul body to ashes so that the wind will obliterate
0: all trace of her existence. Hi, Beatrice. Thanks so much for doing this with me. Um, I'm really excited to chat to you properly about this film, and in general.
1: Yes, I'm so excited. This is actually a film I really like.
0: Oh, amazing. So let's kick off there. What's your relationship with Black Sunday? When did you first see it? I actually saw it for the first time maybe like a
1: year or two ago. Um, I've always kind of been into this sort of uh, gaudy black and white gothic horror um, at, or at least had been attracted to the aesthetic of it. and Black Sunday was just a mm-hmm. blind spot for so long. Um, and so I saw it for the first time um, a year or two ago, and was just um, very swept up by its um, its aesthetic. And it's, and, and, you know, it, the protagonist played by Barbara Steele, who is, I'm
0: not sure if scream queen would be the, the right terminology. She's definitely been called a scream queen. I have personally a a, a tenuous relationship with that term, but she's been called that even though yeah. I don't think she screams once in the film, does she? I know.
1: <laughs> she faints, I guess, but, um, yeah. Yeah, I also have a strange relationship to that term I don't know, I am don't like using it But I understand it Like, generally refers to women That are typically in horror films Are known for being in horror films
0: Yeah, and since women are usually um, Usually, not always But in horror films perceived to be the victims They're usually screaming um, But yeah sorry we took um we're being diverted there but what did you think of the film Rewatching it now for the purposes of this did your did your opinion on it change at all
1: um i have to say my first watch i was just kind of taken with uh the pleasure of watching it and the sort of classic story the beautiful black and white but on second rewatch or on second watch, this is only the second time I've, I've watched it, mm-hmm. um, I was uh, more attentive to um, the gender politics, which are actually quite interesting, mm-hmm. as well as, you know, how it carves out the witch mythology mm-hmm. uh, in a very particular way. Um, and so I think that it was definitely more rewarding, um, already, you know, going into it already knowing the plot and whatnot.
0: Yeah so let's kind of set the the scene what's kind of the main arc of the story of the narrative of of Black Sunday and who are the the key characters in it?
1: Right so um, it starts out with um, I think oh god is it like the 17th century? I want to say
0: 16th 17th century?
1: Right Um, but anyway it's Olden times. Yeah, olden times. And the witch Asa is being um, burnt at the stake for uh, her treachery. Uh, It starts out with uh, the witch Asa, who's being burnt at the stake for her evil crimes, which are kind of alluded to being of a sexual nature, Mm -hmm. uh, though the way it's described is... um, she's fulfilling the will of Satan. Um, so she has the steel mask uh, planted on her face and it has spikes in it. So she's killed effectively or in a sense and is burned at the stake, but the rain comes and so she's not entirely burnt. And before she dies, you know, she's dead. Uh, casts a curse on on her family and so you know that's how it starts out fast forward to um not the present day really i guess <laughs> it's like the 19th century at that point it seems like it and we follow uh two doctors or, or two prof- like academic types who are on their way to a conference and they're uh riding by a horse and buggy, and they stop and encounter this grave where... So we meet these two academics. They stumble upon the grave of Asa, and um, by chance, they kind of help her without knowing come back to life. In the meantime, they also encounter um, Katya, which is you know, also played by Barbara Steele. She's this Asa doppelganger who like comes from the same family lineage. Um, and she lives at this creepy castle with her father and brother. And so it kind of unfolds from there. Um, this tenuous romance with, you know, the assistant of the main doctor, his name is Garabech. his romance with the innocent Katya as Asa is rising from the dead and wreaking havoc.
0: Thank you for that. And that that first scene that you described, I mean, it's still quite striking in its violence and in, well, a number of things, but like, let's start with the violence. Do you think it's, yeah. cause at the time it was considered extremely graphic and it kind of pretty much like you pointed out equates um like lust or crimes of some sort of erotic or sexual nature uh with witchery and that's why asa's being burned. Kind of what did you make of that whole very graphic opening? Yeah, I think it's
1: it's well, one, an excellent opening because the way in which they shoot Asa receiving that punishment, which is like this brutal spiked steel mask, mm. is I think there's like three or four different cuts of the same thing, but you see the mask coming onto her face from her perspective, mm-hmm. um, which is you know a very visceral way of presenting that and also a way that centers her subjectivity, which is sort of interesting considering the fact that she's the villain. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, given the fact that the movie is essentially about her wrath Mm -hmm. and you know, her persecution and like her mutilation being the starting point of the movie is, is actually quite interesting to me because, you know, um, you know, the idea of punishing an evil sexual woman and you know, this evil sexual woman being against the the good man that's trying to like restore a sense of order. um, You know, in in my mind, it's kind of associated with a sense of closure to the horror story or the story and whatnot. So that idea that it was set at the very beginning, and then what follows is just like her being super angry and having this like historical anger that is ultimately impacting, you know, generations beyond her is, is I think uh more interesting than, than people normally understand of this movie.
0: Totally. And it's also the fact that she's being punished and effectively tortured by if I didn't misunderstand it, it's her own father who's sort of the executioner.
1: It's her brother. It's her yeah. brother, yes, you're mm-hmm. right. Um
0: yeah. so it's kind of also the idea of her being the bad seed of the family exactly
1: Um, you know like as you said she's the bad seed of the family Um, but then as the rest of the movie shows there's like a version of her that's like the opposite of that and so it kind of um, plants the seed for like the dichotomy of the evil lusty Sexual vampire woman against the like virginal house bound, um, innocent version of the same woman played by the same actress.
0: Hmm. It's interesting you bring up uh, the word or the figure of the vampire actually, because one of the things that struck me and that I'd sort of forgotten, um, and that I'd sort of forgotten until I rewatched the film again for this was that narration at the beginning of that scene, which really equates as a, both to a witch and a vampire and a devil worshipper. Mm-hmm. So kind of what do you make of this combination of both the the mythology but also the imagery of the mm-hmm. vampire film and yeah. the witch film?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because um, I was reading uh, a bit about this, and you know, Black Sunday is considered um, a film where the idea of the witch and witchcraft became more of an explicit theme, and it was a more anchored source of visual horror. Mm-hmm. And so, like in the past, there were obviously witch renderings. I mean, there's some silent films that make reference to witches. There's um, God, the Renee Clair film "I Married a Witch," where mm-hmm. like she's obviously an ambivalent character, not necessarily positive, but you're on her side. And then, you know, throughout the '40s, there were some witch movies where they were kind of exoticized. Um, but Mario Bava, you know, through this, he was very uh, consciously paying homage to the universal monster movies of of the you know the 1930s and '40s yeah but here you know the monster is this like kind of vampire witch amalgam uh because you know by modern standards, it's kind of uh hard to nail or to pin down what exactly she is, though mm-hmm. you know in the beginning, they do reference her as being a vampire, but it's you know so different from mm-hmm. uh the way we understand. What constitutes a vampire today um, so it's it's a really odd hodgepodge of elements you know with folkloric witchcraft elements and then like Satanism and the occult and just the general idea of the undead um, and you know it uses images like like, you know, a corpse being
0: preserved in the grave, and then there's a resurrection via droplets of blood. She's got like an assistant who's also sort of maybe implied to be a lover of hers, like a Renfield yeah. Type character. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: Exactly. Um, and, you know, the general aversion to, you know, the cross and religious iconography. Mm-hmm. So it's all sorts of monster related images kind of compressed into this movie and this character and what her immunities are and powers as well.
0: Yeah, I found it very it reminded me a lot actually of a lot of um tele- well, a lot of screen adaptations of Dracula um as one of, you know, the most iconic vampires in in fiction. You know, the big creepy castle, the kind of decaying family lineage, almost all those things Mm -hmm. that you mentioned, you know, the the sort of preserved corpse and kind of the the care of keeping it in its grave by kind of certain certain rules that are sort of unwritten but Mm -hmm. the locals know about. The fact that the locals are terrified, even that like figure when the academics are driving in of the the driver of their carriage who is very much like, I would rather just like deal with any amount of people or wild animals than deal with that witch any at any point. Mm -hmm. So there's like this real sense of kind of fear in the community of her Mm -hmm. um and it actually reminded me a lot as well of Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula which in itself in its own right is a a visual throwback to a lot of other vampire and gothic horror films anyway
1: yeah well you know I actually just read that this was a direct influence on Coppola's Dracula so
0: You were very perceptive about that. Or I've watched Dracula too many times. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But I wanted to pick up on something that you alluded to before, kind of how do you think Asa, who we meet when she's being killed, and then we only really see her as a corpse. Um, And, you know, Katja is a distinct character even though they're played by both of them are played by Barbara Steele and we'll kind of come back to her in a bit but how does Asa's power manifest itself because she is sort of lording over everyone but we don't really see her actually do much right yeah it's interesting because she's
1: rather you know abstractly understood as this like missionary but for satan. <laughs> and so her powers are really abstract as well. So you know, she hypnotizes men and has others do her bidding. Um and so, so I guess it's like what's scary about her is she's just able to exert her control over people to do her bidding, I guess.
0: <laughs> like and I like the I found it very interesting the idea of like being protected against a witch Um, so how do you think this film sort of connects the idea of witchcraft with devil worshipping and kind of Christian iconography being used to protect the characters against her
1: right yeah I'm Thinking back to the beginning of the film when they are, I guess, listing what it is she did wrong, and the quote that kind of stands out to me is uh, that she committed evil deeds to satisfy her monstrous love for Satan. Um, And so there's that sexual element Mm -hmm. um, that she is, you know doing stuff on behalf of this desire that she has for this evil concept thing, whatever you want to call Satan. Mm. Um, And that, you know, Christianity and faith and, like, these symbols of Christ are the only things that can stand up against this lusty, satanic desire, Um, kind of grounds it in, in
0: sexuality to me. And it's in, we mentioned it a little bit before, but it is like the Asa's presumed sexuality or kind of that those monstrous desires are kind of referenced over and over again. And mm-hmm. the eroticism of the film was one of the things that I read was um, really controversial about it when it was first released. And I think in the UK it was banned for a very long time as well. So, what do you make of what do you make of that of the sexual aspect of of the film and kind of the especially Asa and Katya? I think it's time we bring her in because their work is such interesting. Op- they work better in opposition to each other. I think. Mm. Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, yeah, it's actually. I mean, like by modern standards, it's you know not that sexual i suppose um or not that not that, it doesn't display a lot of skin or anything like that but you know just it it's very it really highlights i think like the bodily reality of women i think like mm-hmm. just the fact that it starts out with a literal burning of a body the um the how do you call it the uh uh, striking of a face, you know, yeah. it, it, her face is ultimately ruined by this mask. And she's has these horrible, like, marks mm. that show the wounds from that mask, even in, you know, her later life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, oh God, there's also the way that they present Katya as, as this victim and this virginal, um, you know, good version of, of the witch. I mean, they also kind of sexualize her too. Um, like I recall in the scene before the two sort of transfer their life powers and Asa like sucks the, the strength out of Katya. Mm-hmm. They grab Katya and you, you see them kind of like rip at her shirt and you can kind of see her chest exposed. And there's something so lurid and sensual about that, about the fact that she's going to be ravaged. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, even in the transference scene, when, when Asa is sucking her life force, she is sort of moaning in pain at the fact that her like, you know, life is, being drained out of her and it's kind of like an orgasm it the shot really centers on her face and the sounds she's making are you know very suggestive yeah
0: oh my god I hadn't even thought of that that's a really interesting reading actually it is always difficult I think in retrospect to think about what really triggered the audiences and the censors of the time Mm. um But I love the idea that you explored kind of of um, her face being marked and her beauty being marred because there is this idea that kind of keeps coming up, um, really associated with the figure of the witch on screen and Mm. in general in, in fiction and in folklore, I think as well, of them being inherently deceitful creatures and often using... Uh, female beauty and sensuality as kind of a mask to lure people mostly men in <laughs> to for their you know devious purposes and mm-hmm. I kind of like lo- love the idea of this witch being physically prevented from tricking anyone if you know what i mean mm-hmm. Not that i love it i love the the visual the cinematic kind of language of it Kind yeah.
1: Of, and, you know, at the time, um, I think a lot of the pushback, uh, why the film was was censored at the time, and, you know, not released for many years in, in the UK, you know, this was a time when the idea of sexuality was being sort of utilized and mobilized as this source of, um, of like, uh, I don't want to say, I guess, evil, but then also just like, menace and um anxiety i mean you know black sunday was released in the same year as as peeping tom and psycho Mm. where there's Mm. this uh new awareness of the ways in which uh, a new awareness but uh, hyper consciousness because i think this has existed in the past but uh the ways in which uh you know menace intersected with female sexuality and you know just grounding it in a more tangible
0: fear for people I think hmm. and kind of do you think there's a I mean even I'm just thinking of the poster but also a couple of the most impactful scenes in the film are really centered kind of on the horror, or the violence, kind of, or the decay, even being in people's faces. Like I'm thinking, not mm. not just of the initial scene, but also then when they take off the lid of Asa's grave and we see her, the kind of her corpse, and then mm. when she, when the re- the resurrection scene as well and then one of her victims as well, we kind of get this, like, there's a lot of close-ups of faces. Yeah, that's right. Why do you think this centering of the horrific face, and in particular, kind of Asa, as this Barbara Steele, as this beautiful, alluring woman who's been presented as a decrepit, quite terrifying face?
1: Hmm. I, uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting uh, thing that they decided to emphasize because, you know, Black Sunday, the real title or the Italian title or whatnot is the mask of Satan. So just the idea that there's, that faces are not just something that a person has, but they're like things to be worn and transferred. And so you know, the idea that within the same actress, Barbara Steele, mm. there can be the face of a beautiful woman, but then also the image of just like a decrepit corpse within, you know, the same individual kind of, I think, uh, in a sense, like breaks the dichotomy um, of there just being separate types of women, uh, separate types of, of people and that these possibilities of like good and evil can exist within the same entity. Um, as well as just like, um, you know, the idea that, you know, we're alive, but we can also be drained of that life and just be like a corpse. We're just bodies in a sense. Um, But, yeah, the the face aspect is is really striking. I think back to the, uh, I think it's one of the doctors, uh, the, the, like, main doctor, Mm -hmm. professor, person, who's, um, I think Asa casts a spell on him, he becomes one of the undead, and then they, like, find him in the grave, and his face is all disgusting, his, like, eyes are popping out, and I think they, like, um, they release him from the curse and like kill him by running a stake through his eye. Um, yeah. And I wonder like when, I don't know when, when in like the history of cinema, like the, the rules came about in terms of like how to kill one, the undead or like a vampire through a stake Mm. and like through what body parts that was the most effective through.
0: I think the stake definitely comes up in in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, probably. Definitely so not for the eye, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. And what do you think, what do you make of Barbara Steele in her dual performance? This was sort of the role yeah. that um, really put her on a map. That's right. Yeah, this was like, her breakout role,
1: which is so interesting to me, because, you know, the idea that this was her first role, and it was a dual role. Mm-hmm. That's like saying, I don't know, just like giving a first time actress, the role that Lupita Nyong'o played in Us. It's <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> I mean, that kind of has, I think, perhaps more psychological dimensions to it. But like, still, just the idea that she was Playing two, you know, completely different characters, but that are sort of supposed to represent a unity is something really difficult to pull off, I think. But I mean, Barbara Steele is is wonderful. I mean, she goes on to, to star in a number of Italian horror genre films. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was in a few Roger Corman movies, uh, Fellini's Eight and a Half And I think she was in Shivers, too, in, like, a supporting role, the David Cronenberg.
0: Mm -hmm. How do you think she plays against herself? Because we kind of mentioned already several times that Asa is, like, presented as this figure of pure evil and implicitly lust, or Mm -hmm. even quite explicitly considering the times. But, Mm. and then Katya is, like, this virginal figure of purity and right. i found it really weird that they even mention how old she was you know she's 21 and how how sad, is <laughs> how sad it is that you know she's gonna quote unquote go to waste because she's so young and so beautiful and oh my god let's not let her die because that would be a tragedy um which <laughs> i kind of thought they were but they only interact once and I was wondering what what you thought of that scene when when Katya is confronted with Asa.
1: It's so different because Asa is <laughs> very strong willed. To like say it in an understated way, <laughs> and <laughs> you know she's driven by this desire, this like need to fulfill the will of of Satan and um, to have things under her control as she sort of set them out to be when she first cast the initial curse. Um, and so that meeting this like completely obedient household uh, woman, Katya, who, um, to add a bit of nuance to her character, who's, I think, carries the curse of her family in a very melancholy way. So she's not mm-hmm. just like a cheery household nun type person. She's, Clearly heavy with some sort of you know history that she feels in her bones, and like that kind of uh, prophesizes the eventual tragedy that will befall her and her family and I guess there's that corporeal way in which she like almost senses it like you can just kind of sense it through her manner of being and um her kind of. Yeah. Just like her melancholy, but beautiful um, present like way of presenting herself, which is, I think, what attracts um, one of the doctors to her. Um, So, I don't know, just the idea of these two things coming together and, you know, obviously Asa would be able to take advantage of this weaker version of herself and. Um, you know, the fact that these other men rally around Katya to try to protect her. They like they see this necessity to protect Katya and her innocence and her mm. sadness and her beauty, um, which is, you know, kind of funny because she's kind of the same person as Asa. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like what happened to Asa in the beginning is like the complete opposite of like needing to save her.
0: There was something that really struck me about their face-to-face confrontation when Asa sort of hisses at Katya that the love that the young man had for you could have saved you, but I was stronger. You did not know that you were born for this moment. You didn't know that your life had been consecrated to me by Satan. But you sensed it, didn't you? You sensed it, didn't you? That's why my portrait was a constant temptation to you. Why it frightened you. You felt that your life and your body were mine. You felt like me because you were destined to become me. A useless body without life. The love that young man had for you could have saved you, do you know that? You might have been happy together, but I was stronger and now you shall enjoy a beautiful life of evil and hate in me. I wonder if you, especially kind of on this rewatch for the purposes of this, if you had any thoughts about how the dynamic between the male protagonist and the female protagonist and antagonist played by the same Uh woman, it'll get confusing, but kind of how that plays out across the film?
1: Yeah, I was definitely like less... Taken with the love story that's sort of shoehorned in there, mm-hmm. uh, for me just because I mean like I understand they needed this sort of abstract thing to go against uh, asa um who like represents hate, and mm-hmm. so like you know, they create this tenuous romance between Katya and then this professor guy, G- Gorobet or whatever his name is um to be the sort of the counterpoint, like the way of um, defeating this witch. Uh, But it's interesting because I didn't really find that to be too believable. I mean, it's like they fall in love. He like sees Katia from a distance with like Mm. these cool dogs. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then they like just fall in love passionately, I guess over the course of, two days Um, and I just feel like they didn't really do much to I guess create that powerful romance that could resist you know the scourge of Satan that Asa represents
0: so I mean that was a bit slim to me (laughs) yeah I mean movie magic I'm there with you I in very few of older horror films I find the shoehorn romance to be believable. This one in particular just seemed like the guy was just quite taken with her beauty and the her her melancholic nature. Like it was something that he could save. You know, she she seemed to me very much like a damsel in distress mm-hmm. that needed saving by the male figures in her life. Mm-hmm. And that's uh in a very, in a, in, you know, and this is not aligned with my own thinking at all, but, you know, that's <laughs> uh, alluring to those male characters in the film. Where it's like, oh, yeah. we need to kill the witch bitch and then we can have marry the pretty girl who can live in the pretty castle. There's no love for the good girl.
1: I mean, she just doesn't have anything to do. She's literally just... I mean Asa or not Asa, Katya <laughs> is I mean, just like a vessel that Asa hopes to occupy one day. Yeah. Or she's just like something that needs to be protected by these guys. But I don't like don't even understand what she is. <laughs> like any in <laughs> any moment in which she like really uh exerts any sort of agency or um I don't know. Matters for the the sake of herself almost.
0: Yeah. I do love uh, Barbara Steele's performance in this. I find it amazing that she can project such entirely different personas uh, and that I at least kind of could have such kind of intense reactions to both of her personas and both of her performances within the same film definitely yeah she's
1: she's really amazing in it and she does have some really
0: cool dogs in that one shot
1: (laughs) you know i was uh have you seen the invisible man yet yeah okay there's like a part at the end when elizabeth moss comes out after like (laughs) um, she comes out with a dog that looks a lot like Katya's dog in that scene and I oh always think
0: god. of the two. Oh my god, you're so right. <laughs> and yes, kind of bringing it a little bit back to witches. How do you think this film fits into um what I've been calling the witch canon? The
1: witch canon. Let's see. I mean, it's kind of hard for me to situate it because it's mm. kind of like the early instance or one of the earliest instances in which we're really kind of uh, getting a handle on what sort of menace the witch is um, Mm -hmm. and the witch as a monster that's, you know, all powerful and seeking revenge and the antithesis to um, I guess humanity and the goodness in humanity and, you know, humanity without sex. <laughs> so I mean I guess for me it it really grounds the witch canon in the idea that uh that the witch figure is uh the opposite of the like virginal woman mm-hmm. that she is full of um agency to do what she wants and what she wants is usually bad and kind of sexual
0: <laughs> that's quite interesting yeah because it also kind of quite directly pits her against a more traditional image of femininity I do find it quite radical that it's played by the same woman so they're sort of you know their type of beauty is exactly the same
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it really reveals the uh, illusory nature of, you know, this dichotomy between the lusty woman and then Mm. the obedient one.
0: I don't know, I'm just thinking out loud now, but in a way, she's sort of, her sinfulness is kind of defined by the men around her.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, it's just all kind of abstract, the idea that it's like Satan against religion. Like, what exactly does that mean? Like, how exactly is she being bad? Mm. And the fact that it's, you know, her sexuality and that lustiness that they describe her as, um, that being the source of the, the, the thing that's being opposed by, like, these Puritan men is uh, kind of revelatory.
0: How so? I mean, it's...
1: I I hate to say it's like a film about uh, the patriarchy. I want to, like, break that down. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, like, throwing the word patriarchy around. Um, I mean, it's... It's revelatory because it you know, reveals the ideal of what a woman should look and act like um, against the the woman that's seen as as taboo, as as breaking the rules, as going against how men are expecting her to act, um, which is, you know, probably being under their command or uh, more obedient to like how they want her to act and function within a society.
0: Hmm. Where do you see its impact on cinema and the portrayal of witches the most?
1: Yeah. I mean, that sort of blending of folklore and witchcraft and like the occult. I mean, these are elements that became pretty quickly reprised, I think, in Rosemary's baby, for instance. Um, and I mean, I mean, we talked about Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula and sort of the, the new vampire films that, um, were coming out around the time and much later, which were, I, I think that, you know, the modern vampire film is, you know, extremely sexual, (laughs) Mm-hmm. um or the way that it's evolved is extremely sexual and you know hyper stylized and um you know i and I think that black Sunday you know had to have contributed in a sense to that dichotomy between um you know the non-vampire as being like you know normal not into freaky sex and like blood and stuff and then like the vampire is this sort of outsider outcast kind of punk figure um which is you know what Asa is all about in a sense I mean she's the outsider she's literally burnt at the stake um so I mean Black Sunday is definitely one of those films that grounded that idea down but I feel like the vampire and witch in general in lighter ways I'm sure have always been um a way of understanding the other, typically the other women.
0: I think there. I'm not sure if it was the first one. It's definitely one of the earliest films, uh, horror films about witches, at least that sort of starts at the end where you see the witch being defeated. But then the whole film is actually about her revenge. Mm -hmm. And I've always found it quite interesting to start at the end of the story and actually then make the presumed villain, well, or straight up the villain of the film, of the story, actually, in a way, the victim. Mm -hmm. And yeah, sure, you know, they're bad and all of that and they're evil and cavorted with Satan and wanted to destroy lives and (laughs) shit. But also we actually first up meet them... Uh, at their lowest point, and I instantly kind of think of hocus pocus, even yeah, that's true yeah
1: it's it's kind of sad because you see the brutality she's met with in the beginning of the film, and it's seeing it from her point of view also heightens um or makes us relate more to the fact that she's rightfully angry. <laughs>
0: And this idea as well of a woman's wrath, I find really interesting. Um, Yeah, especially against her own family. You know,
1: this family that wanted her to behave and correspond to, I guess, their idea of the family dynasty or like the Mm. family lineage. Mm. And she just rejects that, falls in love with, I guess, Satan and (laughs) is ultimately um, repudiated from her family in a very... uh, bombastic way.
0: And they're so even you know, what is it uh, two centuries after she is killed? uh, Still not apologetic about it at all. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what she would have
1: done if she had won in the end.
0: <laughs> yeah, I kind of also would like to see what she did to merit that treatment, that punishment more like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're very vague
1: about it. Just like, oh, ah, yeah. she's lusty. She was a vampire. She's a danger to
0: people. Um, unclear. <laughs> yeah, that's the prequel that I want to see. Exactly. Beatrice, thank you so much for your time and for your insights on the film as well. Where can people find out more about your work?
1: So you can follow me on Twitter at uh, B-E-A Louisa. Um And... Links to my work at a number of outlets, I'm a freelance writer, it can be found on my website, which is just com. Perfect. Thanks so much. Yes, no problem. It was a pleasure.
0: And that's it for another episode of The Final Ghost Podcast. Please do rate and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find out more about what we do on TheFinalGhost.co.uk and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at TheFinalGhostUK. Let us know what you think about the podcast and the witch series so far by leaving us a review. It really helps, especially as an independent podcast. You can also get in touch with us with whatever else is on your mind on hello at TheFinalGhost.co.uk. You can follow Beatrice on Twitter at B-E-A-L-A-I-Z-A and I am on Anna Demented. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more witchy goodness next week.